If you're curved below the belt, you may not know what caused it, and you may not know what to do. A significant curve may be a medical condition called Peroni's disease. And there are thousands of other men out there who may also have it. Many may go undiagnosed. Talk to a urologist about Peroni's disease. And to learn more, visit learnaboutpd.com. Welcome to Healthy Choices with your host, Ray Solano from Austin, Texas. We're ready for your calls right now. Call in toll-free at 877-956-9566. Now, here's your host, Ray Solano. Well, hello there, and welcome to Healthy Choices XM as we're broadcasting from our XM studios in Austin, Texas. And we may be listening to this show on Facebook Live or also on our podcast, Healthy Choices XM. I'm your host, Ray Solano, clinical pharmacist and clinical nutritionist, and we're dedicated to add choices to your health care. You have a choice in your health care. It's always important for people to realize that you're in charge. Our phone number is 877-956-9566, or you can text us anytime during this message at 512-219-0724. A couple of quick announcements. We'd like to thank the sponsors of today's show, Prescription Dispensing Labs, better known as PD Labs, is a nationally licensed research-based specialty pharmacy focusing on custom pharmaceuticals for the treatment of brain inflammation, mold, Lyme therapies, especially check out our website, pdlabsrx.com. And we have a, an outstanding speaker that's going to be joining us today. Our guest is going to be Dr. Richie Shoemaker. He's, a, he's the recognized leader in education and pioneer of understanding the field of biotoxins. Dr. Shoemaker has dedicated his life and his career to uncovering the link between this toxic stew that's found in our buildings and in the tremendous increase of the misdiagnosed chronic ailments that are the result of these innate immune responses that have make the immune system just go haywire. Dr. Shoemaker has published over eight books. His latest is Surviving Mold and Instrumental in Developing a New Test Methods for the Clinical Management of Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome, all called SIRS. Welcome, Dr. Shoemaker. How are you today? Well, I am absolutely delighted to be speaking to you. It's a lovely day outside. I've got a little tickle in my throat, so if I clear my throat too many times, just please forgive me. Uh, no, no problem. We, we just appreciate the time that you're spending. I know that you're, you do so much work for so many patients and so much research. We appreciate your time today and, and your dedication to this area of medicine. And, and please tell us about some of the latest work that you're doing. And I think this is maybe coined almost the holy grail in unlocking an understanding of this seemingly untreatable conditions that leave many people just unavailable to enjoy life and be able to contribute, and many times just can't even work. One of the concepts to share with the listening audience is that we have, over the years, added one test after another to a bank of tests that we call biomarkers that enable us to understand some of the physiology of what goes on wrong in chronic fatiguing illness. And the point is, is that there are many different sources of chronic fatigue and the, all the uh, sort of symptoms that come along with that. But we're looking now at the final common pathway, the unity that people have in their lab tests that is now shown <clears throat> by use of a gene test called transcriptomics, where we look at whole blood and we can analyze some of the genes of the whole entire human genome that are found to be separate and distinct from chronic inflammatory response syndrome patients from controls. And we've distilled that initial 2,000 genes down to about 200, so we have an affordable test of incredible accuracy that will show the physiology of the final common pathway. This 
breakthrough is due to the work of Dr. James Ryan, who's a PhD molecular biologist and has been working with me for 12 years now. But Jimmy should, I think, be getting the Nobel Prize. He won't possibly, because I'm working with him. I don't know about that. But having said all that, <laughs> what we have with our test called Genie is the ability to look at what we call treatment-naive patients, people who have not used my protocol yet. We can show the profound suppression of genes that are nuclear-encoded from mitochondrial genes. And what that means is that the mitochondrial dysfunction we've all thought about and talked about for years is actually not stemming from the mitochondria itself. Of the thousand genes that the mitochondria have, only 37 are still in the mitochondria. The rest have migrated to the human genome and the nucleus. And it is there that the adverse effects of nuclear transcription factors will change how mitochondrial genes function. Similarly, ribosomal genes, and remember ribosomes are little structures that make proteins, mitochondria involved with generating energy, also are under control of nuclear factors. And if the nucleus is being attacked, if our DNA is being attacked, as it is, it is the cell defense mechanism to stop the ability of the attacker is one that normally would kill the cell. The cell will retreat, kind of go into hibernation or cocoon or torpor or whatever kind of image that you want to come up with, but they shut down their metabolism dramatically. Not enough to die, but they shut down protein production. They shut down generation of ATP for electron transport chains in mitochondria due to change in mitochondrial genes in the nucleus, and they also shut down mechanisms of glycolysis, to con that's sugar production, sugar breakdown, to prevent cell injury from being promulgated. The, the beauty of this finding <clears throat> is that we don't have to say this is due to Lyme, this is due to a water-damaged building, this is due to ciguatera, this is due to post-traumatic stress disorder or chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, because everybody shows the same mechanism. And the mechanisms, Ray, involve cell structures, both in the ribosomes and in the mitochondria, that have been around since the dawn of time. We used to think that time was three billion years old for life on Earth. Now people who are smarter than I am say it's four billion. But these particular structures have not changed in four billion years years of evolution. They wow. stay the same. Four so billion years. So, so you're making this simple. Is a very complicated condition, very complicated uh, symptoms, and you're going to a, a direction of these, the same mechanism that's affecting all these conditions, right? Every living creature, for example, whether it's an amoeba or a walnut tree or a chimpanzee or a me, has structures in the ribosomes with interesting names called the sarsen ricin loop. And it's unchanged evolutionarily, and it's needed to initiate production of proteins, putting one amino acid into a chain, like right. a daisy chain, one after another. And you disrupt that, you also disrupt the ribosomes that are in mitochondria, so-called mitoribosomes, and you start this sequence of events that sets off then nuclear transcription factors that we can show on a piece of paper from your blood, maybe not your blood, but somebody else's blood, and show it in a mechanism that has been validated over eight years of research. So we can look at two tubes of blood, one's a backup, one's all we're going to use at first to generate the abnormalities of gene expression that define these illnesses. Plus, in addition to the suppression of ribosomal and mitochondrial genes and ribosomal transport and mitochondrial transport goes along with that as well, we can look at other things that we've only guessed about. We can look at the role of gene expression in chronic pain, the gene expression in chronic Lyme or post-Lyme syndrome, the gene expression in methylation and demethylation and acetylation and deacetylation. We can look at the markers for abnormalities and coagulations, 
and coagulation. We can look for the markers for apoptosis and raise your listeners may not be up to speed on the, the difference between normal apoptosis or programmed cell death where everything is handled normally, unhealthy cells are disposed of, put in a trash can like it's supposed to be, versus an increasingly recognized common source of inflammation called defective apoptosis. Here, the cell that's unhealthy and is labeled as such by granzymes, part of our defense system, those cells should be killed by natural killer cells and cytotoxic T lymphocytes. They're not killed normally. They actually are burst apart, broken apart, and the contents, including free DNA, is released into the bloodstream. You talk about innate immune responses. It's one thing to be exposed to a ciguatoxin or a beta-glucan or an endotoxin or a damaged building. How about your own DNA getting detected in your bloodstream? The cells go nuts with that. And now we can test for it. Wow. So, so you make, again, your own DNA. So this is where many of these autoimmune diseases come up. This is the reason why your body's immune system, innate immune system becomes, like I said, on a hay, goes haywire. And it's difficult to put the genie back in the bottle, right, and to reverse this. Well, interesting uh, you, use, you use the name genie. That's the name of our test. Thank you. <laughs> well, that, that, that's right. But the, you know, the truth of the matter is that once this hypometabolism, that's Dr. Ryan's term for this syndrome, once this hypometabolism kicks in, we start to lose feedback regulation of cytokine production. We lose feedback regulation of complement. We lose feedback of histamine. And now for all those people worried about mast cell activation syndrome, now we can look at the gene called histidine decarboxylase, which will tell us about endogenous histamine production. We don't have to chase after tests that had a reliability of about 20% anymore. We can go right to the genome and say yes or no. You know, we see so many patients and physicians that are going through many tests to understand defects in their genes, their their SNPs, and then we have methylation defects, and every, this is where the new norm is. And people are being told that they have these, once they have these defective genes, these SNPs, that this is something that they're going to have to live with. This is the supplements that they have to take. This is the, the lively, the lifestyle choices that they have to, to endure forever. So also with this genie test, you're able to determine whether these are expressed or turned on or turned off or therapies are working or not, right? Indeed so. And the problem with looking at SNPs, despite a lot of things that I've heard people say, there's no way to tell by presence of a SNP whether it's active or not. If it's not active, I don't care how many SNPs you've got. You can have as many SNPs to cut my hair. <laughs> Similarly, with methylation, methylation, when you hear discussion and you don't hear simultaneous discussion of demethylation, we we're barking up the wrong tree. <clears throat> methylation can be long-lived or short-lived. And I don't hear our methylation friends talking about acetylation, a mechanism for controlling histone activity, the kind of insulation covering of, of, of DNA. Transcriptomics is completely different. It looks at differential gene activation compared to a control group. Here is what we're looking for. We can get valid science and valid conclusions because we've got validated case groups and validated control groups. And that's the process of science. And science, if, if you think about what we do in biology, science tells us that essentially everything comes from DNA activity. There might be a snake bite response to the snake bite is from DNA, even though the snake was not involved in our DNA. So there's a little bit of a variation of that. But biological responses and chronic illnesses are due to differential gene activation in a mechanism that hurts us every single day. We talk about just, just see, as people understand the, how important this is, the relevance to this, the connectivity to a 
a condition that is going to, that is probably our biggest health challenge today, Alzheimer's disease. And some of the work that you're doing has the connectivity and be able to uncover some of the root causes and also be able to have some predictability. And the reason why this is so important because we realize this is probably our single most uh, threat to our brain health as we get older or the single most uh, debilitating condition, period. But you've been able to do some connectivity and being able to understand how this is, you understand maybe beforehand what is going on with the brain, right? For sure. I think that it's important to remember that there are some scientists who've devoted 40 years to Alzheimer's and they've learned a great deal and, and, and mechanisms of action are are better understood, and yet still this is considered to be an incurable illness. What we've done in, from the inflammatory response syndrome group in that perspective is to say, let's not try to take on Alzheimer's. Let's take a smaller bite of the apple, so to speak, and look at atrophy of gray matter nuclei, this very small regulatory nuclei. They will be affected by Alzheimer's and MS and all these other things, but we can show a distinctive fingerprint of atrophy and then hypertrophy of a couple structures that separate Lyme from mold, and it takes about 10 seconds reading a neuroquant to know which is which. That's all. That's all. But when we look at some of the changes, for example, some of the, 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 the bacteria that grow deep in our nasopharynx, MARCONS is the acronym of multiply antibiotic-resistant coagulase-negative staph. We now have good indication that these organisms have been mutated, possibly by use of other antibiotics and antifungals. But now we look at people who have MARCONS in their nose with these illnesses. Their number of nuclei that are atrophic is not 2.3 out of 6 that our mole patients have, not 3.0 out of 6 that our Lyme patients have, they have 4.5 out of 6 nuclei that are atrophic. Now, we use an age-weighted measuring system to, to do these accurately. Some of our earlier attempts did not wait for age, and you'll see these, some of these score sheets are floating around the Internet. They're, they're, they're just not right. You need to have age-validated uh, segments. But if we look at gray matter nuclear atrophy and say, can we fix that, Yes, our group published a paper in April 17 that we can use VIP. And, and, Ray, I think you know about VIP from your work. But anyway, VIP in high doses will help uh, nuclei regain their size in the mechanism is thought to be reestablishing uh, interactions and, and, and growth between Purkinje cells and neurites and all this. So it's, it's, it's fairly complicated. But looking at Alzheimer's, we got interested in enlargement of the superior lateral ventricle, the spinal fluid-filled chamber, that you see getting bigger in people that you have less volume of gray matter and white matter and then nuclei as well. And interestingly, the overlap between hydrocephalus or dilation of this, of this uh, lateral ventricle that's not under high pressure, so it's called normal pressure hydrocephalus, can look almost exactly like Alzheimer's disease. With NeuroQuant, we can quantitate the size of the lateral ventricle, and if we then measure the ratio of the width, of maximum width between the left and right side of the lateral ventricle, and divide that by the width of the brain, it's called the inner table or the inside of the skull, we can get a number. And if that number is over 0.31, this is called Evans Index. I can't tell you who Dr. Evans is, but he's a smart guy. But this Evans Index will say, if you've got a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, be thinking of hydrocephalus. And if you have an elevated Evans Index, and I've run across this repeatedly since I've been using it in the last month or so, we can actually look at people who can have a shunt put in, a little tube that runs and takes pressure out of the brain and puts it down in the belly, and we can watch as the dementia starts to clear. It's fascinating. So in this grab bag of what Alzheimer's is, and 40 years of research has shown us a ton of stuff, what we now know 
is that we can take spinal fluid. Mm-hmm. And people have heard about amyloid and TAW protein right. and all that. We can use total TAW and phosphorylated TAW to differentiate normal pressure hydrocephalus from Alzheimer's disease. And more importantly, if the levels in the spinal fluid of amyloid B42 are on the low side, we can separate Alzheimer's from hydrocephalus. So it goes both ways. So the advances are there. We also know that the mechanisms of TAW production are tied in some patients to exposure to water-damaged buildings. Dr. Bredesen has done some really early work and excellent work in that field, but also due to a nuclear transcription factor called APOE4. And in our Gini work, we can show antagonistic effects of salutary nuclear transcription factors to block APOE4. So what I'm trying to say, maybe too long-winded, I apologize, is that the advances in neuroquant combined with advances in, in, in transcriptomics let us separate out treatable causes of Alzheimer's, that's not Alzheimer's, from what look like to be untreatable Alzheimer's. And more importantly, we can also look at a mechanism to use Gini in a predictive fashion to prevent worse atrophy of gray matter nuclei and prevent the disease you know, altogether. That's that's the fantasy. Our our data doesn't don't, don't don't go that far yet, but we think we're hot on the trail. So if I'm sound excited, I am. It's brand new. It's wonderful. But in a, in what we're like you said, we're excited because we're giving a protocol, a solution for for patients. Where before yes. we were just guessing. Let's yes, let's right. let's just in summary for uh, our listeners because many times. We have patients, we have practitioners that listen to us, and every, everybody's all the same. And we have to, some, we're going to give them the path forward, where do they start. That's what they always say. Well, where do we start? Is It's not one test. It's not one uh, particular uh, supplement or, re, or prescription medications. It's a complicated therapy that uh, have to be combined. So where do these people start? You know, we, we've got you've got this, some testing to be able to identify the progress, which is great, but to be able to understand that what type of let, let's say Alzheimer's you have. So this is, I think that's what we may want to see if we can just break it down to maybe some simple steps, um, is so people can start start at this at the, at one point. If we look at dementia, or in, in my world, I get to see people before dementia sets in, and the single biggest fear, the single biggest loss is cognitive impairment. When, it's, when you worry about it, you know something's happening, the fear is that the cognitive impairment will progress, and the single biggest loss is when it has progressed. The illness hasn't been recognized or it's been mistreated for three, four years. Those two dominate. I have people that will put up with chronic fatigue. They learn how to pace themselves, learn how to do what they're going to do. They don't overdo it. They don't get, you know, the push-crash phenomenon. But a brain's a separate matter. So if your brain, say, say you're 29 years old and you're an, uh, an insurance broker or a financial whiz and you start having trouble remembering things, you might be called depressed. Someone might say that you're, you've got post-traumatic stress disorder. And by the way, we've got a gene test for that as well. Whatever something happens, that the word gets out, the first test that I would do would be a visual contrast sensitivity test. You can do that on the Surviving World website. Is there evidence of biotoxin effect? The next test, if there is, and there's cognitive impairment, would be a neuroquant. This is widely available in the U.S. Neuroreader is another way to look at this. The side-by-side between neuroquant and neuroreader has not been published yet. I have some concerns that... You know, we have over 2,000 people on our NeuroQuant data set, so our, our data on cases is pretty solid. And right now, I'm, I don't see enough people for, with NeuroReader scores to say it's the same as NeuroQuant or different, but I, I, I do have some, some need to, to see that data. But after we get the NeuroQuant, you will know, is the problem Lyme? Is the problem mold? Is the problem increased number of atrophic nuclei? And if it is, Is there then an association between loss of white matter or loss of gray matter or both 
And if so, does that association extend to involvement of the lateral superior ventricle? If it is, then we get Evans' index and see, is this hydrocephalus or not? If this is a cognitive disorder, then we'll do Genie, because even though we're looking at white blood cells and not brain with Genie, there are some links. Dr. Dr. Schumacher, if I could just interrupt you for just a second, we're going to take a quick commercial break here, and we'll come back with Dr. Richie Schumacher as we're talking about the steps to be able to reverse some steps for dementia. We'll be back in Healthy Choices in just a moment. Hi, this is Ray Solano, host of Healthy Choices XM and owner of PD Lab Specialty Compounding Pharmacy. It's that time of year again. No, not when we start making goals to improve our health or that dreaded exercise routine. I'm talking about Girl Scout cookies that everyone sells that appear to be as addicting as crack cocaine. We somehow obtained four boxes at our pharmacy and I actually looked at the label. My staff observed me and concluded that I was going to have a meltdown as I started to trying to educate everyone around me what they were going to eat. I soon realized if the cookies even contained rat poison, everyone would at least enjoy them before they died. Nobody really understood why no one eats three cookies as the servings listed on the box but consumes three boxes and hoards them for late night snacks. You have to laugh at our society that tries to educate young children on good nutrition to prevent childhood obesity and type 2 diabetic before high school and somehow places thin mint cookies at the top of the food pyramid. Are cookies all that bad? Why can't they be a treat, you ask? Yes, they have flour, sugar, butter, coconut oil, eggs, baking soda. Not too bad for an occasional treat. When you dissect Girl Scout cookies, you get a different recipe. High fructose corn syrup, never a good choice. Partially hydrogenated oil, palm oil, cottonseed oil, another really poor choice. Enriched flour, flour that's stripped of nutrients and is really dead food. Artificial flavors, usually made from ammonia, sugar, and even more sugar. I will go back to my original premise. Why can't these Girl Scout cookies be real cookies? I hope this little tirade gives everyone a little strength to look for a better choice or maybe donate money to this great organization instead. Back at the pharmacy, I've been told my staff they have begun to hide them in the safe out of my sight to prevent another meltdown. Remember to listen every week for my podcast, Healthy Choices XM, listed on Apple Podcasts and on our website, pdlabsrx.com. Remember, you have a choice in your health care. Let's talk about your healthy choices. We have room for you right now. Toll free at 877-956-9566. Well, but welcome back to Healthy Choices XM. We have a an outstanding show today with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. As we're talking in a very detailed in the immune dysfunction that occurs from many of these biotoxin illnesses and also Many times, some of the consequences that occur that many many patients are diagnosed with with Alzheimer's, where dementia, MS, many other dysfunctional conditions that are, that affect the brain. And Dr. Shoemaker was before the break was going into detail about what are some of the first steps you can take if this is you're starting to see dementia. Some of the tests that are that you would uh, be able to. Uh, talk to your practitioner about and then he talked about the VCS test that's fine that's easy very simple it's on the survivingmold.com website and also we talked about the Noroquant test it's very it's a foundational test that was that for inflammation that's easily readily available and then doctor you you mentioned that the next step would be into the next test that would be ordered that would be the genie test is that correct it is. I, I tend to be somewhat impatient when I'm dealing with these illnesses, and you know, I, I, I admit to that because I want those illnesses gone today. Right. Everybody think, does, I, right? I don't That's think anybody's going to argue about that. So when I'm telling you the steps that I'm recommending today, they're designed to be the quickest to get the most answer. There's lots of tests we can do, but if we know this is a biotoxin illness, if we know that this has got a brain injury, then we want to look at the mechanism of gene activation, which will tell us what mechanisms can be involved in inflammation, possibly within the brain. If, if there is inflammation within the brain, we want to do anti-inflammatory things. Right. Uh, now, along with that, on quick and simple tests, it is incumbent on everyone, I think, who has 
a problem with fatigue or cognitive impairment or jointed problem all at the same time to know are they in a water-damaged building. And people are doing air samples, which is a waste of time and money. People are doing setup plates, which is even a worse waste of time and money. For 100 bucks or $105, you can do a quantitative PCR test of DNA for fungi called HurtsMe2. There are two labs that do this. I don't have any conflicts to disclose. Micrometrics is one in New Jersey, and Virobiomics is another in, uh, in San Antonio. When they do the DNA test that used to be part of ERMI, we split out what's called HurtsMe2 to give the most effective mechanism to determine whether it's safe for a given person with chronic fatigue to return to a building or not. This lets you see yes or no, is the building safe for me? And this is important if you're remediating, if you know that you've got a problem. But more importantly, if you're moving to a new environment and you have this illness, you don't want to put yourself in a moldy environment because you'll just get sicker and sicker and sicker. So we combine $105 for Hurts Me Too and $15 for VCS, and then insurance will cover an MRI of the brain usually, and then Neuroquan is $89. So we haven't spent a whole lot of money. Right. Genie comes along, it's $700. It's, it's, it's a kick in the teeth. But what you get is $70,000 worth of information, information uh, for all these people that I see that are getting virus testing of Epstein-Barr virus and HHV6 and cytomegalovirus and parvovirus. Why not just do a test for defensins, which will show us is there viral activation or not? Because the antibody test for viruses usually just show what viral DNA is intercalated into our own. If you've got defensins turned on, then you've got viral bacterial infection. Now, if Lyme is in tissue, defenses will be negative. So we used then the transcriptomics published in 2016 that will look us, let us see what are the gene activations typically found in untreated Lyme disease or persistent living organism Lyme disease and then post-Lyme, which is more inflammatory and less infectious, so that we can target those right away. If we look at activation of CD markers, clusters of differentiation, we can now tell you if you are being affected by endotoxin. And for people in moldy environments, mycotoxins aren't it. They're third on the list. Third on the list. First is endotoxins, next is actinomycetes, and the genie test can sort out those two, endo, two, two entities. If you've got beta-glucans, another common problem with water-damaged buildings, the genie test will show that as well. This is, a, this is a huge advancement, the genie test, because yes. everybody was chasing so many different uh, tests, and they, you know, I've sit in rooms, we couldn't get two people to agree and what the test conclusions are. So you're taking a lot of the, the discussion and a lot of the uncertainty, it appears. What we're trying to do is extend hypometabolism beyond the known RNA suppression for ribosomes and mitochondria. If you've, that's, that's what the test mainly does. And, and, and if, if all you do is have that piece of information, that plugs you into a protocol that's been peer-reviewed and published. So that, that's, that's the easy one. But in case of the differential diagnosis and the fine-tuning of the diagnosis, what do I have to do? What is making me ill? The genes tell the story. Mm. But not by themselves. They've got to be activated or suppressed by transcription factors. And that's, that's the thing that's different about what we do. And many patients are on these therapies. Like you said, we talked about vasoactive intestinal peptide nasal spray that... Is, is very helpful for many patients, but they, we try to understand, well, when is the therapy over? When is the protocol finished? Many times they feel better, but this is also a method for able to determine if you're going in the right direction and if therapy needs to be continued, right? Yes, that's exactly correct. You're very perceptive as always. Thank you. There's one more piece, though. I'm sure you know of a few people, there are a few, who take VIP and they feel worse. Yes. Well, where did that come from? If you look at levels of anti-inflammatory nuclear transcription factors, 
named for a Greek mythological figure called Icarus. So we look at the five Icarus factors, and we look at levels of VIP receptor 1. If they're both suppressed and we take VIP in, VIP initially will suppress the overshoot of ribosomes and the mitochondria gone nuts that the treatment protocol starts to do. It takes suppressed ribosomal function and suppressed mitochondrial function and improves it, but it doesn't improve it just to 100%. It goes to about 120%. VIP hmm. will bring it from 120 back down to 100. So we want to equal controls, not to be attempting Superman. But if there's persistent suppression and you take VIP, you will suppress an already suppressed ribosomal mitochondrial system even further. This was information we didn't have last year. And we would do the best we could, and we'll here try some right. omega-3s, try this or that. And now we can say... Don't use full-dose VIP, use baby-dose, use micro-dose, use dilutions down to 1 to 100, for example. Another advance. It's just it's one after another. And, and it's always good as a clinical pharmacist when we able to dose response uh, exactly. people's uh, conditions so they can go less. Less is always seems to be better. Uh, if we can do micro-doses, that seems to bodies able to handle it is always a, a best choice. And we're, and we're seeing this over and over again. Start out, if you're having an adverse event and being tired, we usually go backwards and cut the dose significantly. And it makes a huge difference. That's why it's really important to find practitioners that are trained in these protocols. Because, like you said, if you're still in a water-contaminated building or you have the environmental exposure... Unfortunately, this is not going to work, right? It won't. And, Ray, the way you're talking, I think we should have you signed up with our Proficiency Partners Program. We're training people in these protocols without making them go through the whole certification that surviving mold demands. That takes a year and $3,000. You can spend half the amount of money, just get eight hours of clinical lecture, and then show your, what you know on a test, and we'll help you from beyond there. But... Proficiency Partners is now readily available to people without MD degrees. We have health coaches, we have acupuncturists, we have chiropractors that are doing this. Uh, it's it's fascinating. All we need is a good brain, and we'll work with you. And, and that's important. You need to be trained, and and you've got you've done so much work in training these professionals. And unfortunately, there's not enough practitioners to go around. You know, they had a toxic yeah. mold. Yeah. summit this last week and i participated and did a, uh, a a talk on some of the therapies the the synapsin rg3 nasal spray the bpc 157 peptide and uh the vip and it is unbelievable we had a 75,000 emails of people signed up and we quickly found out especially with the phone calls that proceeded in the next two weeks there are thousands and thousands of people that are coming out of the woodwork going I need help, and this is a this needs to be mainstream. Unfortunately, the the biggest concern is they can't find practitioners that will understand them, uh, will be able to believe them. Uh, I think that's the first start. Believe them to be able to get information because the information's out there. The survivingmold.com website, your work that you've published, it's all there, but they have to be able to. Uh, uh, believe that this is the answer. So this is what we're trying to do today, is get people to know that there are solutions out there, but you need more people trained, right? We need to be science-based. I've made the, the claim for years that everything I say and do has been published and peer-reviewed. And if things have not been through the crucible of peer review, or if it's just plain junk science, there's just no basis in doing that. You know, all as Huxley used to say, the key to understanding is casting out false knowledge. In the mold world, it used to be just me and a couple other guys. That was it. Now it's very popular. We're seeing a lot of folks come in that haven't been through the, the rigors of publication. And they might have some ideas that are great. Let's see them hold up to peer review. Let's see the case control studies. A lot of people are looking at urine, trying to show substance A, B, or C, without recognizing there's no control groups. 
And if you look at control groups, for example, for urine testing for mycotoxins, there's a hundred studies from around the world of healthy people with urine full of mycotoxins. Not hmm. a bit of problem in the world at all with them. So the control groups and published good science is what we're after. Genie is just an example of what science means. It takes time. It needs to be validated. We need to assume that the results that we see uh, in the initial stages of testing are wrong, then prove that they survived the criticism. And as the criticism abates and the use expands as it already has, you will then find that some of this false knowledge just falls aside by the wayside. And as we go forward, what we're looking at now is can we profile who is going to have problems with clotting, who's going to have problems with bleeding, who's going to have problems with prostaglandins, who's going to have problems with beta tubulins, who's going to have problems in the T-cell synapse itself. I used to say that the, the determining factor for who got sick from a water damage building was determined by HLA. It published that back in beginning in 2003. It now looks like HLA is very crude in its use. Mm. It still is right, but abnormalities of T-cell synapse that we can show with, with genomics are the real rubber meat in the road as far as the science of defective antigen presentation. So no longer am I going to let people say, I have a 4353 HLA. I'm going to say, what is your CD3D? What is your CD48? When you know those and show you correct them, then we start using a four-letter word that people have not used in this field ever before, and that's called cure. When symptoms equal controls, visual contrast equals controls, proteomics or labs equal controls, and, and genomics or proteomics, excuse me, gene equals controls, we've got a win. We've got reduced reactivity. We've got restoration of brain volumes. This is, this is the golden era. This, this is the time that I've dreamed of for 23 years of working well, that's, in this it, field. It's, it's exciting and... It's it's not easy. It's complicated, but that's part of the the you actually have a pathway for people to be educated, and I to be able to get the genie test, find out more information. The best what uh, source that I've seen is the survivingmold.com website. Is that a good uh, source for people to find out more information? How to order it, doctor? There are two separate. Areas on the homepage of survivingmold.com. Right now, that's the only place you can get uh, in order placed. But there is information to read, and then a second uh, box will let you uh, order the test if that's what you want. But there's a lot of material that is complicated. When you said earlier in the show that I've written eight books, it's actually 12 now. Okay. And the newest one is transcriptomics. So if you want to read on transcriptomics, I would suggest you don't. Because the jargon is impossible. Oh, my God. The words that you're going to have to learn are crazy. But if you have this illness, it's not crazy. And if no. you do have this illness, then I would get the book. But knowing all these things, that you can get a distillation of what genie is, what it's going to show, how do you get it, how do you handle the blood, where do you send it, what's it going to cost, what are you going to expect to get from it. It's taken about a month now to turn around. We hope to have that time done. Uh, we're opening up a new lab in Washington, so hopefully it's going to be faster than it has been. Uh, but it's 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 moving very quickly. Well, what we have is practitioners that are getting ill, that are jumping in and learning this to cure themselves. We have patients that are ill and smart and being able to uncover some of this knowledge in teaching their practitioners. And like your last conference that you put together in Florida, everybody is sitting at the same table learning for themselves, either they have a loved one or they're doing it for themselves personally to be able to move this science forward, which I think is, is huge. And I, I've done a lot of work in the autism community over 15 years ago, and I saw the same movement occur. Everybody is equal. Everybody's, the knowledge is is being able to share this information to be able to cure or and to be able to control these illnesses because unfortunately the statistics are with 100 million people that could be susceptible to Alzheimer's just one piece of it it's going to take everyone 
to be able to their knowledge base and especially yours to be able to share and collectively move this forward because we're running out of time, aren't we? If we get someone with a clinical diagnosis of, of, of Alzheimer's, it's too late. Yes. We missed, we, missed the, the, we missed the boat. Sure, there's things we can do to help them. Improving quality of life is a great idea. But I'm more after wasting a mind. I, I don't want to see that anymore. It's a terrible thing. We have the ability to look at the forerunners, what leads to Alzheimer's three years down the road. That gives us time for intensive therapy before Grandma can't take care of herself. Or in my, in my case, since I'm getting much older than you, uh, that's, that's in, if I live long enough, I imagine I'll have uh, something like Alzheimer's. I'd like to avoid that possibility. Wouldn't, wouldn't everyone? Wouldn't, wouldn't everyone? Well, we're giving them the, 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 the tools. It starts, it's not just one thing. Everybody wants to know the magic pill. Unfortunately, it's not. But we, it starts 20 years ahead of time. We want people to, to realize that. They can make choices today that will make a difference. And it's also important for, like you said, uh, from, it's terrible for a mind to be wasted. But it also affects children. These things uh, are, we're setting up many times children have the, some of these exposures that can change their personality and change their outlook or their success for the rest of their lives. So that's why it's so important. Uh, we're seeing a lot of this work on children that have been misdiagnosed into many of these uh, conditions that are just, it's, it's just simply just not true. So it's really right. important that uh, we make this mainstream for everyone, right? I hope that you had a chance to listen to Scott McMahon's presentation at our Fort Lauderdale conference. His paper, and, and Jimmy Ryan and I are co-authors on it, uh, with Jennifer Smith from Scottsdale in, in Arizona, this paper will be coming out very shortly. It's, it's the manuscript's ready to submit. But, for example, PANS and PANDAS, two disastrous syndromes for children, some people think with teenagers too, are, are now being exposed. We have the transcriptomics of those cases. We have the neuroquants showing the biggest hippocampus that you've ever seen will separate uh, PANS from, from other cases of, of, of mold-related illness. And the big deal is that all of these cases are associated exposure to the interior environment of a water-damaged building. Check the Hurts Me Too. If you've got kids, check the Hurts Me Too in the school. you got a new workplace, check the Hurts Me Too, $105, $105. Sounds like a lot when you do that three times, but it's still cheaper than in bringing in a professional to do inspection of your home. Well, you're right. This is not crippling cost, you know, in a, in the sense of, of of what the return on investment is for changing people's lives. This is is huge, and you, the great thing is you have a choice, uh, and that's what's great about this information. And you know, twenty go back thirty years ago, medical knowledge. And many of the availability to many of these publications was restricted. Um, you had to have certain licenses, and you had to. It was kept from uh, from the public. But un but fortunately now, if you read, it's out there, right? It is the the humbling issue for someone entering this field is that the Human Genome Project cost more than five billion dollars finished in 2001 through 2003. Incredible scientific achievement. That's just 16 years ago, Ray. Wow. wow. That's all that is. And now we can get that information, not $5 billion, but for $700 in wow. a turnaround time of two weeks. Come on. Look I at know. this. That's right. It is is great. And that's why we did their show today. And we, we really, we want to get the word out. And this podcast, and we're going to be uh, doing this uh, again uh, with other practitioners that uh, are working with you, Dr. Ryan, Dr. Andy Heyman, uh, to get people on this walking steps. You know, myself, we've we've learned a lot in the last year. Everybody has, but we wanted to abuse all the mechanisms, all this, all this uh, tools in our toolbox to get the word out. So we we want to make sure that's that's the premise of our show, and that's what we do. In our closing comments, I'm sorry. Go ahead. One thing, just, just to leave you with a tantalizing issue, I have advocated for collection of an adequate database 
and mandatory monitoring of changes with therapy so you know where you are. We had a case of a study I presented, and I think you were at that lecture, uh, in, in my office. It looks fine. Uh, we put a brand new air filtration device. This one was made by Air Oasis. Again, I have no conflicts to disclose. It's an iAdapt Air. And we looked at a control patient and a knee. I was hemorrhaging, and I knew I had another exposure. And what was going on was that when we looked at my transcriptomics done twice to look for the individual variability, not a whole lot, not a whole lot of change in the, in the control. But then well, as soon as we turn on this machine after one week, there were transcriptomic changes specific for reduction of airborne particulates, and that was continued in a second week. Needless to say, the coagulation abnormalities fixed and all the other things. We're looking now not just with medications, but for manipulation of our environment, especially the indoor environment, using transcriptomics as a guide to if we're on the right track or not. This is the golden era in indoor air quality management as well. I agree. And, and I purchased one of those units for ourselves, and we put it in our pharmacy and, and just to let people know that we care about their lives as, as well. well. Well, Doctor, we're going to have to uh, uh, wrap it up here, but I want to make sure I give your, some contact information or be able to uh, promote some of your work and your website if you can uh, share that with our, or with our listeners today. If all you do is go on to one website, it should be www.survivingmold.com. The homepage has a lot of material to read. It'll link you to certified physicians. It'll link you to proficiency partners, training program. It'll link you to Jeannie. It'll link you to a whole new world of proven data. Well, great. Well, doctor, we're going to have you back on again. We'll consider this the first of many series uh, for when get the word out on how you can make choices in your health care today to make change your life. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM as we're wrapping up with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. We'll be back again. All of our past broadcasts can be seen on our Healthy Choices XM podcast that's listed in the Apple Store and also on our website, pdlabsrx.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of Healthy Choices XM. Doctor, we'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Great job. Great job, Thank man. You. Bye. Hi, this is Ray Solano, host of Healthy Choices on Cirrus XM and owner of PD Lab Specialty Pharmacy. I'm here to help you develop a healthy immune system. It takes 45 to 60 days to develop a healthy immune system. So it's really important to start now with some very simple steps. First, exercise. Just walking 20 minutes a day or movement is one of the best things to start with and also include some fruits and vegetables and eliminate sugar from your diet. PD Labs has the tools you'll need to control your health. We are compounding pharmacy, which means our specialty is providing dosages customized for each of individual needs. You know, your focus this month should be winterizing your system for a with some healthy supplements and a highly effective winter immune kit that we have put together. Go to our website, pdlabsrx.com, and, you know, call our trained staff at 512-219-0724. You know, get started today. Mention you heard me, Ray Solano, and you receive a free shipping with your order.